Welcome to the Garden of Belonging, a podcast exploring the things that help us belong to ourselves and the things that get in our way. I'm your host, Kim K. Gray, a life coach for good girls and people pleasers, dedicated to helping them know, trust, and courageously share their voices. In this podcast, we will explore topics such as self-knowledge, self-trust, self-acceptance, and self-expression. The world needs our unique gifts. It's time we connect with our inner voice and show up fully as ourselves. Today, I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Tara Mixon. Tara is a food freedom health coach. She believes we are dynamic and complicated beings, and our well-being arises from more than the right diet and culturally accepted body shape. That we need to shift the focus from food to who we are as eaters, to who we are beyond the body. Tara came to this work after practicing pharmacy for over a decade and having her own journey with bulimia. She understands that health and healing is a deep, complicated, long, and holistic journey. She believes we need to learn to love ourselves the way we innately love others. Welcome, Tara. Thanks for being here. Uh, Hello, Kim. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I hoped you would start by um, just introducing yourself. Tell us who you are and what you're passionate about. Um, Wow. I feel like I can go a lot of places with that question. (laughs) Go wherever you wish. (laughs) Um, My name is Tara Mixon and I'm here because Kim invited me. We have uh, our paths crossed a few years ago I am an IPE graduate at the Institute for Psychology of Eating, and Kim was, I think, kind of both interested in the training, but also interested in implementing and learning some of the things that I had learned in my training, specifically around honoring the body's wisdom and kind of getting past some of the, the mental noise instead of listening to the mental noise, actually tapping in and listening to and honoring the body, um, which was a real pleasure to work with you for a little while as a client and um, which I guess leads into what do I, I do do a little bit of everything mm-hmm. but um, my passion is definitely working with humans in general but I have a sweet spot for women and of any age group or someone who identifies as a female gender that has um, how do I say this a tumultuous relationship with food and body so in other words people who have a tendency to use so much of their life energy ruminating on food, whether that be in an obsessive way or in a way that they want it, yearn for it to be more balanced. Um, yeah, so my, my passion is to help women drop all that bullshit, excuse my language, but drop all of that mental distraction so that they can live a life that's fulfilling for both themselves and those around them. Yeah. So important and such a huge issue, especially with all the messages that we get from the media and um, especially this time of year. Mm, Right, of course. Yeah. So what does self-trust mean to you and how has it affected your life? That's such a lovely question. Um, Yeah. I I want to be more articulate. I think that I'm going to be in this moment. So I have a feeling I'm going to ramble a little bit because I don't have a succinct answer. Um, Self-trust is being able to listen to an inner voice um, while tuning out all of that external noise. 
because it is really, really confusing to live in a world where we are inundated with so much information, other people's opinions, other people's belief systems, which are all based on their personal experiences, that it's really hard to be able to hear our innate being's truth through all of these filters, you know? Um, so <laughs> if I'm making sense, um, totally. that self-truth, self, self self-trust is knowing no matter what, no matter how loud all of that outside noise is, that that inner voice, no matter how crazy it seems or out of nowhere it seems to be coming from, is right. It's there for a reason. Mm. That little tiny tapping, that knocking, that yearning, the whisper. Um, and it's almost more powerful because it's quieter instead of mm. being so loud and bombarding. Yeah. 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 And how, um, how has self-trust been a part of your life? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I feel that this question has, for me, the best way that I can really explain it is through stories and experiences I've had in my life. And so I trust that we'll get there at some point, but, um, I think for me that those moments where I've been able to eventually, because it's never mm -hmm. like an instantaneous decision, but eventually getting to the place of honoring that self-trust has opened doors to me stepping into a life that is mine instead of a life that is what others perceive that I should be living. And ultimately that's why we're here is to live our life. We're not living mm -hmm. for anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so I guess another way to say that is freedom. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that the what you're saying about um, kind of moving away from the expectations and the shoulds and just being really true to what you feel you're here to do and to be and to express. Um, and obviously easier said than done. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. I had a dear friend um, and roommate that would use the term should is shit. Mm. Um, because should if we're saying the word should, then it is something outside of us that is asking us to do something that we don't want to do. And because generally we should be doing something. If we want to be doing something, we will do it. Mm. Right. The should is there's this resistance. There's this question. There's, there's some reason why we're not moving forward towards it. And when we should ourselves, we're, we're like <laughs> shitting on ourselves. It's like, we're making ourselves feel really awful. And we just need to honor that we're not doing it for a reason. <laughs> and it feels so much better when you're like, ah, oh. because if I really wanted to, then you would say, I want to blah, blah, blah. Not I yeah. should, you know, I love that. That's so interesting because if you do, when you think about any time that you say I should blah, 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 there is this resistance or there, there, there's this story in your head that it's something you're supposed to do. Yes. But it's not something that you want to be doing. Typically not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. asking that question of like, um, you know, what is my resistance and why am I not doing that? What are the reasons behind it? Can give you some clues either to like if you really do think it's important like you can figure out how to get there if you were asking those questions or if, or or have the ability to be like uh this is not important <laughs> <And> <laughs> let it go yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So um, how do you balance the voices of experts, either true experts or quote unquote experts with your own inner voice? Hmm. I, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is curiosity. Mm. And because that state of curiosity is a state of openness. So it's not one of judgment. It's not one of attachment. It's just truly open to hearing and receiving whatever is being served or provided. Right. And I'm saying this in a, it's not always easy. I get that mm-hmm. <laughs> because we are also trained to trust the experts to, um, do what we're told type of thing. Like they know better. And so that's what we're, we live in a culture where generally, you know, there's kind of this hierarchy in a way that they know. So we must listen or mm-hmm. we must follow. And I don't know. I think that I'm not a rebel. I'm not the type of person who intentionally is going to break all the rules or move in the opposite direction of the norm. Um, but I've always kind of had this little bit of this, the, the curious in a good way of like, well, why is that? Why is that so? And mm. I don't mean this in a way of like, I blatantly, I'm not the type of person to blatantly question it, but I just internally kind of mull it over of like, huh, I wonder why that is. Does that feel true to me? And this actually comes back to, I don't know, I might be jumping the gun here, but no, go ahead. Um, the curiosity sense is that when you're curious, you're open. And so this, this to me is a state of, um, I don't know the best way to say this, is like, it's kind of like unlocking that that innate uh, trust within us, right? So our being is unlocked and it's open. So we're curious and we're open and we're ready to receive whatever is, whatever information is being um, shown to us. And in that state, if we stay open, then I think that that is a way that our, our inner, that, that trusting aspect of ourself is agreeing with the information that's being provided. If we find that that open curiosity is starting to close and lock down, that to me is an indication that my, that inner trust is saying, I don't think so. Like there's something about this that doesn't feel good. And that to me is just, once again, a place of curiosity. I can look at it and say, okay, I'm starting to close down. I'm starting to feel heavy. I'm feeling this tightness and clenching. Like this to me is my, my body, some form of my being that's saying, ah, this doesn't feel safe. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like it's in alignment with my truth. And, um, so that's kind of the, the beacon that I go by is like mm-hmm. this opening and this closing. And so when I hear information, cause there is so much information, I try to constantly weigh that. So I take information in, maybe I'll explore it a little bit. And if I start finding myself closed down a little, then I'm like, okay, I, I can make this information my own. Some of it might be true. Some of it might not be. And I'm probably going to fumble my way through it. It's not always going to be this perfectly straight path of like, oh, this person is right. Oh, this person is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's going to be some nuance of something in between. Right. Right. Yeah. I love how you described like an embodiment of that curiosity and sort of how you can feel the trust. That's a nice tool. Mm people can tie in with um so related to that um we live kind of in this this age of science and research that teaches us this like the idea of a right way Mm -hmm. because the science says so or the data says so 
how do you feel that self-trust fits in with that? <laughs> it's so hard because like my background is in pharmacy. So I have a lot of science background. That's right. And um, let me just tell you this, the science is always changing. So it is never black and white. We think that it is and today it might be true, but it's never going to stay exactly the same. It, it, we might understand it in greater depths or we might realize that we were totally on the wrong page to begin with. So I don't know. It's, it might not be easy for some because some people see things differently, but I am much more of a gray person. I am not a black and white person. So I, and I know that I'm not answering your question <laughs> right now. Um, it's just for me, science is it, it, once again, it's something that I find fascinating, especially the way that we can learn so much in so much depth and still be wrong and still not know. There's, we know, we know less than what we don't know, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's so much we just don't know. And so I think if anything, to be able to look at science as, a, as entertaining and amusing and imperfect. Yeah. I mean, it's like you were saying, it's the, it's what we know right now or the best that we can know right now, right? you know, and taking that and using it as you will, <laughs> as, as it serves you. And again, going back to that piece where you were saying of like being open and curious. And then if you feel that kind of closing in, then maybe it's not something that's serving you. Yeah. So I titled this series Radical Self-Trust. And when I think of that word radical, I think of um, going a bit against the grain. So do you have, was there ever a time when you went against the grain and really trusted your own instinct and had positive results? And then how did you handle the naysayers? I have so many stories. <laughs> Let's hear them. <laughs> Which one would you like to hear? <laughs> Well, Kim, do we start with marriage? Do we start with career? Do we start with something really simple and small? I mean, I can tell you all kinds of things. Um, I, I guess for me, the first time that I, that it was really big, it was like the big hairy monster that was when I, I mean, I, when I was in college, I started dating somebody and it was the first long-term like committed sexually like connected relationship that I had ever had. And we dated all throughout college. I was in university for seven years. So from there we got married or we were planning on getting married. And right before the wedding, I was like, I, I don't want, I don't want to marry this person. Like he's been a part of my life. He's been in a, a great chapter of my life, but he is not the person that I am supposed to be married to. I know this. Like I knew that without a doubt, but I was 20 something and you're like, as an adolescent, you're still kind of looking to that outside world. And it's not like we stop doing that as we get older, by the way, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> developmentally as an adolescent, like we constantly are looking for that external validation and we need to know that we're safe and accepted in our external world. So I was asking friends and I didn't feel close enough with my family to say anything to my family, but I was, you know, telling people like, I, I don't know that I want to get married. 
oh, you're just, you're just nervous. It's just wet feet or whatever they call it, you know? Um, and I was like, no, I really don't want to get married. And both of my closest long-term friends were not coming to the wedding. The wedding was a destination wedding. And I, I just knew so deeply within me that this is not what I wanted. And I knew that it wasn't what we, it wasn't for either of us, but you just kind of get stuck on these tracks of this is the next step. You date, you get married, you buy a house. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so I was like going along those tracks and I knew that it was, I was headed down a road that was not mine. And so a day before the wedding, I pulled him aside and I said, I don't think that I want to do this. And of course, that's not the way that I should have approached it. I should have been very direct instead of wishy-washy about it. I think I was kind of hoping for an out from him, from him for him to agree and be like, mm. oh, good, me too. But that yeah. was not the case. Um, so we carried through with the wedding and stayed there in Hawaii for a week for our honeymoon and came home and I left and I said I can't do this I left and it was I, losing a family his family had become very close to me and his mother I'll never forget um his mother did not like cussing specifically the f word and uh we had a conversation when I told her I was like I'm leaving I'm sorry she's like I feel like you fucked our family over and I was like <laughs> all right (laughs) that's her truth that's her experience of what I'm trying to do with my life um and so many people were in shock like how why would you leave so much stability you've had this person in your life for so long you've built this life you have you have a lot of like a foundation of life together but you also have a lot of financial stability you have similar interests like people didn't see that that's not enough and um so that was the first time that I was just like forget what other people think Mm -hmm. because they don't know and I remember very 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 viscerally that moment when I made that choice of and reflecting on it is that nobody else will ever know what's good for me the way that I know it's good for me Like nobody else knows. No one knows what it's like to live every moment of my life, to see the world through my eyes, to feel the experiences of life through my emotional body. Nobody knows. And yes, their opinions were in what they perceived to be my best interest. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just that very clear, big aha moment of, yep, no one else will ever know what's best for me. And um, the naysayers, I don't know. I think there was more naysayers when I left pharmacy yeah. <laughs> than when I left my parents. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I imagine with, in both of those situations, there's that sort of the expectations and the how you do things. And like, and maybe pharmacy was like, well, why would you leave that financial stability you invested um, so much money and time in your education. Yeah. 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 But it sounds like you really just had a, just a deep knowing and understanding that you just couldn't ignore. Totally. I think that, I mean, all, like that radical self-trust becomes a point of the pain to stay the same is mm-hmm. greater than the pain of risking to change. I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah. 
Because I think ultimately we reach a point where we can no longer not live our truth. And sometimes it, after practicing and working that muscle more and more, it becomes less traumatic or less, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Challenging, painful. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> But it's, yeah, there's, there's a word that I'm trying to find. This is, my, this is how my brain normally works. It gets all mushed up. Um, dramatic, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. It, it, there just isn't as much space. You don't need as much time to... You don't have that rational mind that's constantly trying to talk you out of that decision. The more that you work that muscle, you reach a point where you're just like, oh, there's that little whisper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't need to turn this into some big, huge dialogue within my mind of if it's right or if it's wrong. Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh, yeah, there's my rational mind trying to talk me out of it, but it's not worth it. Yeah, and it seems like if you, if you build up that muscle of self-trust, then you won't get as far down the path of the wrong way so that it's a bigger deal, right? Like you may... Before you even start planning a wedding, you realize <laughs> that this is not right, you know, right. and you trust that and you, you know, not to say that like everyone should be that way, but if you are in that state of fully trusting yourself, you might not go down a path too far that's not right for you. Yeah. And I mean, I just want to be really honest. It's not... it's not always going to be easy and life will continue to give you challenges and to, to give you that little nudge of like, okay, are you listening? Are you listening to that inner guide? Cause right now I'm, I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to deal you a card and we'll see how you play it. You know, cause recently, um, just this, this fall, this past fall, I, so I've been, I'm a bike racer. I race cyclocross. I'm an amateur. I just do it for fun and the community and, I had a great season and nationals was in the state of Washington this year, which is exceptionally rare that the national cyclocross national championships is in your state, let alone, not only was it in our state, it was like an hour drive from our home. Oh, wow. Um, and so everyone within that community just is like, well, are you racing? And I had zero inclination to race. I didn't want to. Um, I was interested in going and being a witness of it and, uh, being part of the crowd and cheering people on, but I had, I never saw myself as a participant. I just saw myself as a spectator mm -hmm. and being in the community, more and more people, are you racing? Why aren't you racing? I don't know. I don't know that I want to race. What do you mean? You don't know. You should race. You should race. You should race. See all this external noise outside, outside loud bombardment over and over again. You should race. Why not? You should race. And so finally I just like, okay, so I registered to race. Like, just talking about it, I can just feel myself closing and being like, oh, why did I do that? You know, so I spend the money to invest in this race mm -hmm. that I, in the moment, knew that I didn't want to do. And so two months go by or however long, and it's race day, and I am so not on board about racing. Like, I don't want to go. But I have someone else driving, so it's harder for me to be like, which is really silly, because because they're driving, I could be like, peace out, I'm not coming. But no, I'm like, okay, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to come with you, and I'm going to go to the race, and I'm going to do two practice laps. I'm going to crash both times. I'm going to cry so much, because I'm doing something that I don't want to do, and I'm asking people, do you think it's okay if I don't race? No, you should race. You should race. You should race. And finally, I call my husband. I'm like, I don't want to race. He's like, don't race. It's 
it's okay. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> like, oh, and I knew that all along, all along. I knew I did not want to raise. It's just a stupid, silly example, but like it happens. Life will constantly test us. Are you really honoring that self-trust? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. I felt like there was something wrong with me because I didn't want to raise because it's this amazing opportunity. And so yeah. what? So what? I didn't want to raise. Yeah. Yeah. And how amazing that you had that support of your husband to be like, well, don't, <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's just like, ah, oh. you just like all of that. Like for me, it's so embodied that feeling of like clenching and clenching and just so much resistance and pain and discomfort. And then he's like, well, don't. And it's just like instantly the softness and like, yes. Oh yeah. That felt so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Needed someone to see me but yeah and it's still so interesting because I you know I would love to say that I was able to say okay let's check in do I want to race no I don't want to race thank you for the invitation but no I don't want to race like I didn't do that I got really swept in to the tide of being accomplished and being a part of this community and showing up in some particular way and so I felt like I needed to keep showing up in that particular way for them, but not for me. Yeah. So it's almost I, easy to get carried by that wave when there are people like, you know, I have this vision of like people lifting you up on their shoulders and like, you know, <laughs> carrying you because there's like this, like, you should do this. Like you're so good at it. Or like, look at how great your season was. And you know, you, you can get kind of caught up in that totally. and not realize like, Oh, but I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> I'm not perfect, it turns out. Yeah. I'm still learning this radical self-trust. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's something we ever learn. I think it's something that we're always in the Practicing. process of learning and practicing. Yeah. 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 So what practices and support structures do you have in place for trusting yourself? So obviously, um sorry, I was gonna crack a joke, but I won't. <laughs> calling my husband. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, The biggest one for me is always embodiment. So take being able to just, like, it literally takes just a few breaths. So quieting that outside world, being able to tap into that inside world, and just get a sense of how does my body feel. Because, you know, another way to see it is that that, like, in the state of trust, when we're in a state of trust, we are in a state of love. And that energy, that energy of love is like so soft and so open. And it, it just has this very, to me, a very visceral experience. So when I'm in my body in that state of trust and love, I can feel that and I know that sense. So if I can give myself just three breaths, three moments to just like tap in and be, ask myself, how do, how do I feel? Mm-hmm. Um, because that uh, the opposite of that, like the clenching, like it's for me, it's just like this instant, like closing in upon this folding in upon this. Um, everything is so tense, so closed. Like it's it's a very obvious sensation to me, and so that's why I use the body to to listen because our mind can steer us in God knows how many directions. Mm-hmm. And um, it's there to protect us. Like it has its role. It does a damn good job, but I know that it doesn't always have my greater good 
<laughs> at its forefront. Um, so embodiment, just being able to stop and tap into my body is a huge one. Um, kind of a smaller, simpler check is the, the maybe is a no. Just, I just, I believe that there's only two answers, yes and no, and maybe is not an answer. Maybe is the, the question in this, in itself is the answer. So trying not to, and this is another way of saying trying not to overthink things, but if you doubt something, that is the answer. The doubt is a no, but we like, that's where if we give ourselves just enough space, our rational mind will start talking us into something or out of something. But if we can just tap into that quick, like, oh, I feel this way. Does this feel true? Yes. Great. Does this feel true? Maybe. Maybe I should do this. I was just talking to a friend this morning um, down in California, and she was saying that she has had this big trip planned to Mexico for a while, and she, you know, it's thousands of dollars, and she's just like, I've had this bad feeling about it. I don't know that I want to go. And she's like, the day that I decided that I was going to go, she's like, I got sick. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe now that you've decided that you're not going to go, you'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I, those, are, those are two of my very uncomplicated mm -hmm. ways of tapping into that radical self-trust. Is yeah. One of them is a, a physical way, a physical presence, and the other is a little bit more brainy, but not, not at the same time. Mm -hmm not overly yeah. complicated yeah and you know i think sometimes that that maybe could just be a no for right now mm -hmm. you know and maybe later you'll re decide that it's a yes but for now it's a no. yeah in this moment it's a no yeah yeah and that's okay yeah awesome well thank you tara I want to ask you all these questions. I have really <laughs> <answers> for you. <laughs> yeah. Can I share one thing really quick? You can choose to edit it out if you want. Sure, sure. You know what I was, I was reflecting on the fact that you invited me to come speak or have this conversation with you around this topic. And I remember that one of the first things that you and I talked about, and I apologize if this is personal, like I said, you can totally edit this out. But um, one of the things that came up for you was olive oil. Mm -hmm. and you're like what olive oil is supposed to be so good and I don't know how could it be bad it, but I feel like it makes me feel weird or bad or awful or whatever word it was you were describing and um I just it's funny to me that that's one of our very first conversations mm -hmm. and now I feel in a way this is a bit full circle yeah. where I mean ultimately that's what you needed to do is like distill out all of the noise and just trust self-trust yeah 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 well, that's a fun reflection <laughs> awesome uh, anyway thank you so much yes thanks for taking the time my pleasure thank you for joining me in the garden of belonging if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe so you don't miss any others and if you leave a review it really helps it reach and support more people if you'd like to explore these topics more deeply, join me in the Garden of Belonging community. There's a link in the show notes for more information about that. Until next time, take care of you. Music in this episode by Dan O. Songs. <laughs>